Hello, Defenders. I hope you're enjoying our reading of The Tale of Jespro. Don't forget, you can find your reading response journal at bit.ly forward slash VDPS Project Journal. And now on to our next two chapters of The Tale of Jespro, chapters 42 and 43. Chapter 42, The Rest of the Thread. The Threadmaster was sitting atop his spool of thread, swinging his tail back and forth and eating a piece of celery. Well, look here, he said when he saw Despero, which just look at that. It's the mouse who loved a human princess back from the dungeon in one piece. The old Threadmaster would say I didn't do my job well. That because you are still alive, I must have tied the thread incorrectly. But it is not so. And how do I know it is not so? Because the thread is still around your neck. He nodded and took a bite of his celery. I need the rest of it, said Despero. The rest of what, your neck? The rest of the thread. Well, I can't just hand it over to any old mouse, said the Threadmaster. They say red thread is special, sacred. Though I myself, having spent so much time with it, know it for what it is. What is it, said Jespero. Thread, said the Threadmaster. He shrugged and took another loud bite of celery. Nothing more, nothing less. But I pretend, friend, I pretend. And what, may I ask, do you intend to do with the thread? Save the princess. Ah, yes, the princess, the beautiful princess. That's how this whole story started, isn't it? I have to save her. There is no one but me to do it. It seems to be that way with most things. No one to do the really disagreeable jobs except oneself. And how exactly will you use a spool of thread to save the princess? A rat has taken her and hidden her in the dungeon, so I will go back to the dungeon and it is full of twists and turns in hidden chambers. Like a maze, said the Threadmaster. Yes, like a maze. And I have to find my way to her wherever she is hidden, and then I have to lead her back out again. And the only way to do that is with the thread. Gregory the jailer tied a rope around his ankle so he would not get lost. And the mouse, as the mouse said this, he shuddered, thinking of Gregory and his broken rope, dying, lost in the darkness. I, said Despero, I will use thread. The threadmaster nodded. I see, I see. He took a meditative bite of celery. You, friend, are on a quest. I don't know what that is, said Despero. You don't have to know. You just have to feel compelled to do the thing, the impossible, important task at hand. Impossible, said Despero. Impossible, said the threadmaster. Important. He sat chewing his celery and staring somewhere, somewhere past Despero, and then suddenly he leapt off his spool. Who am I to stand in the way of a quest, he said. Roll her away. I can have it? Yes, for your quest. Despero put his front paws up and touched the spool. He gave it an experimental push forward. Thank you, he said, looking into the eye of the threadmaster. I don't know your name. Havis. Thank you, Havis. There's something else, something that belongs with the thread. Havis went into the corner and came back with a needle. You can use it for protection. Like a sword, said Despero, like a knight would have. Yes, said Havis. He gnawed off a length of thread and used it to tie the needle around Despero's waist, like so. Thank you, Havis, said Despero. He put his right shoulder against the spool of thread and pushed it forward again. Wait, said Havis. He stood up on his hind legs, put his paws on Despero's shoulders and leaned in close to him. Despero smelled the sharp, clean scent of celery as the threadmaster bent his head took hold of the thread around Despero's neck in his sharp teeth and pulled on it hard. There, said Havis, when the piece of thread broke and it dropped to the ground. Now you're free. You see, you're not going to the dungeon because you have to. You're going because you choose to. Yes, said Despero, because I am on a quest. The word felt good and right in his mouth. Quest. Say it, reader. Say the word quest out loud. It's an extraordinary word, isn't it? So small and yet so full of wonder, so full of hope. Goodbye, said Havis, as Despero pushed the spool of thread out of the Threadmaster's hole. I have never known a mouse who has made it out of the dungeon, only to go back into it again. Goodbye, my friend. Goodbye, mice. Mouse. Goodbye, my friend. Goodbye, mouse among mice.
Chapter 43, What Cook Was Stirring. That night, Desper rolled the thread from the Threadmaster's lair along innumerable hallways and down three flights of stairs. Reader, allow me to put this in perspective for you. Your average house mouse, or castle mouse, if you will, weighs somewhere in the neighborhood of four ounces. Despero, as you well know, was in no way average. In fact, he was so incredibly small that he weighed about half of what the average mouse weighs, two ounces. That is all. He, think about it. He was nothing but two ounces of mouse pushing a spool of thread that weighed almost as much as he did. Honestly, reader, what do you think the chances are that such a small mouse could succeed in his quest? Zip, zero, nada, goose eggs. But you must, when you are calculating the odds of the mouse's success, factor in his love for the princess. Love, as we have already discussed, is a powerful, wonderful, ridiculous thing capable of moving mountains and spools of thread. Even with the love and purpose in his heart, Despero was very, very tired when he reached the door to the castle kitchen at midnight. His paws were shaking and his muscles were jumping and the place where his tail should be was throbbing. And he still had a very, very long way to go into the kitchen and down the many stairs of the dungeon. And then through somehow, some way, through the rat-filled darkness of the dungeon itself, not knowing where he was going. And, oh, reader, when he stopped to consider what lay ahead of him, Desper was filled with an icky feeling of despair. He leaned his head against the spool of thread, and he smelled celery there, and he thought of Havis, and how Havis seemed to believe in him in his quest. So the mouse raised his head and squared his shoulders and pushed the spool of thread forward again into the kitchen, where he saw, too late, that there was a light burning. Despero froze. Cook was in the kitchen. She was bent over the stove. She was stirring something. Was it a sauce? No. Was it a stew? No. What Cook was stirring was soup. Soup, reader. In the king's own castle, against the king's law, right under the king's very nose, Cook was making soup. As the mouse looked on, soup, Cook put her face into the steam rising from the pot and took a deep breath. She smiled a beatific smile, and the steam rose around her and caught the light of the candle and made a halo over her head. Despero knew how Cook felt about mice in her kitchen. He remembered quite clearly her instructions to Meg regarding himself. Kill him. The only good mouse is a dead mouse. But he had to go through the cook's kitchen to get to the dungeon door, and he had no time to waste. Soon daylight would dawn, and the whole castle would be awake, and a mouse would have no chance at all of pushing a spool of thread across the floor without attracting a great deal of attention. He would have to sneak past the mouse-hating cook now. And so, screwing his courage to the sticking place, Despero leaned against the spool of thread and set it rolling across the floor. Cook turned from the stove, a dripping spoon in her hand and a frightened look on her face, and shouted, Who's there? 